0: Episode of Halos in the Infield podcast with your host Todd Fox and the other host
1: Fernando. Que tal, everybody?
0: Hell yeah, we're back in the. He's back from his little mini vacation, work vacation, whatever you want to call it, and uh, he's back. We're all back here, and uh, we're getting back into the routine. So we're going to talk today about the Boston Red Sox series and what happened in the three-game set at home versus the number one team in the AL. And then we're also going to look ahead to the uh, upcoming matchup with the Seattle Mariners. But before we do that, you want to tell them a little bit about our merch.
1: Buy the merch. The merch is the softest in the game. It is great. Trust me, we've all bought it. I have Todd's right here waiting to give it to him. Uh, Chase bought his blow pen shirt. Uh, I know some of you guys have already gotten your merch. So thank you guys in advance for that. All the money goes straight back into the show, uh, we promise. Uh, It goes right back to making this show better for you guys. Um, So go ahead and buy the merchandise Redbubble uh, slash Halos in the infield, or you can just go on Redbubble and type in Halos in the infield generically, and it'll come up. We have the Blowpen shirt, a Buttercup shirt. We have the new Jared Walsh Grand Slam T-shirts. And we have another thing in the works. It's supposed to be a Shohei Ohtani commemorative uh, all-star game shirt, Dash Home Run Derby shirt. So be on the lookout for that. Hopefully our boy Randy has that up soon. We've been in contact about it. So exciting merch on the way.
0: Exactly. And also, like you said, <clears throat> that that uh, those profits come in here to get us uh, trucker hats for our trucker hat trivia during the week on the post-game show on Instagram. And then also for the podcast, and other shows that we do on the Halos and the infield network. We're doing the bingo jersey thing, so where you can win a free jersey of your choice, four different players to choose from, three different styles. All you got to do is play a free game that we do, bingo, and we're going to release – we're going to start doing the bingo balls on this uh, podcast uh, this weekend. So that's going to be the first show that we do that. So with all the business out of the way, let's get into what happened with the Angels because suddenly, bro, suddenly I'm a little ahead of myself we're back in the wild card race all of a sudden. And we were teetering on, should we be sellers or buyers? We were like Humpty Dumpty, about ready to fall off the damn wall. But now it's looking a little bit better, right? I
1: think I've sent you a message like three or four times now after different games saying this is where it happens. (laughs) You know, we get the hope. The hope is like, oh, my gosh, we're going to do this. We're going to make the playoffs. Yep. And then, uh, you know, that's when the buttercuping comes. Yes. But um, no, as of right now, man, the Angels are looking good. Who would have thought that without their four highest paid players, they'd be playing this well? I mean, we're talking about the bullpen doing decent enough to win. We're talking about the offense clicking, even though their, you know, three best hitters aren't in the lineup. Well, okay. I mean, Showy Otani's in the lineup, but you know, Trout, Upton, Rendon are three guys that people really expected to contribute, and those guys aren't in the lineup.
0: Yeah, and and basically, your number one starter from day one this season is in the bullpen. You know, so you you got, and then you spent money on Quintana; he's in the bullpen. So uh, this this team it looks a lot different from the April Angels that got started. And, uh, you know, right now, you know, we'll get into some more of the positives moving forward. But <clears throat> Friday didn't, or not Friday, Monday didn't start that great. Um, they uh, played Boston here in Anaheim Stadium, game one of a three-game series. Again, Boston was coming in, uh, you know, with the best record in the AL. Uh, this game got off, you know, with Suarez's first start of the season. He earned this spot, getting it from Quintana and pushing Quintana to the bullpen uh, subsequently. And the Angel, you know, he didn't pitch good let's just say it, he didn't come out there good, wasn't as aggressive Suarez, messed around a lot, uh, you know, nibbled a lot and didn't get tattooed, but, you know, he left the game with a lot of pitches. You know, he was only supposed to throw 85, and he was already around 70 when they took him out, and that was like in the third inning, I believe. What were your thoughts on Suarez?
1: Yeah, you know, it's really rough to process Everything after just one start, I can't even just be like, well, he blew it, time to move him back to the bullpen. But, you know, that's not the Suarez that we've seen. Perhaps Suarez might be better off in a long relief situation or in a spot start situation, and maybe he isn't ever going to be a rotation up. But you know what? What all the Angels can do right now is ride the hot hand, and as of right now, he's still the hot hand compared to Jose Quintana and Dylan Bundy. I would much rather give a young guy a shot then, you know, two guys who should have already had to figure it out by now because they've been around the league for, you know, eight to
0: ten years, respectfully. I agree. It's a good take. And speaking of Bundy, he came in this game and surrendered a couple runs. Not quite his fault, but he still did. He But he looked better, and he's, he has looked better in relief. But that put the Angels down 5-1, you know. And uh, in this game, we've seen it over and over there's a couple opportunities in this game where they, they were angels were robbed either by base running uh, blunders by guys not running fast enough, or the fact that, you know, you get the irrefutable evidence. Like this is NFL replay rule is supposed to be the same as baseball. If the call is made on the field on or in the, in play, the guy's safe, you got to see irrefutable evidence to reverse it. And on this play where uh, I think it was Rojas that got thrown at home, uh you know, you really didn't have irrefutable evidence. It was bang, bang. And usually when that happens, it's like, okay, we'll go with a call on the field. They reversed that crap again. And Angels fans have seen this like three or four other times that have cost the Angels. And I believe uh, in this game, there was several times that the Angels were, you know, either got screwed over by calls or great plays by Boston, like the Renifo home run being robbed. Um, But what are your thoughts on that play at the plate?
1: Man, why is it always us
0: every <laughs> single
1: time, right, guys? You know, it's like every Angels, fan. as soon as that calls is made, it's like, well, here we go again. Yep. It's just, it always seemingly just happens to us. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, getting a little ahead of ourselves, I mean, going to today's game, which is Wednesday's game. I mean, you know, we finally got some calls our way. We'll talk more about that when we get there. But, you know, it's just, it seems like we always just get the bad calls. We always get screwed. And like you said, man, you got to have irrefutable evidence. Why have that rule if you're not going to stick to it?
0: Exactly. And and, and like you said, it, it just seems to come back on us over and over. If it's not the crazy strike zone that our pitchers, I feel they can, you can overcome the, uh, the, uh, the umpires sometimes by just changing or adapting as a game goes on. You know, if a pitcher comes out and says, man, you know, I threw too many pitches today because he's not calling the outside, you know, related to the other pitchers, the other pitchers will come in and be like, okay, well, then we got to go inside. We got to try to jam guys. We got to try to work the middle a little bit better, throw our best stuff, you know, stuff like that. The angels don't seem to adapt as much to that. And then these calls right here are just brutal because, you know, the angels at times have have trouble scoring runs sometimes. And, you know, the run here, run there can cost you. And in this game, it did because the Angels actually fought back. You know, Rojas would make up with it. with was solo shot 5-4. And then the Angels do another rally in the ninth inning. You have two men on. The, the, the big A is rocking. Otani yep. comes up. And I want you if, if, to explain the scenario that happens from the at-bat to the end of the game. Oh,
1: all right. So this is I, I I feel like this is the moment where Angels fans truly just wanted to go after the nearest chowder head and punch <laughs> him in the face. Punch <laughs> him in the appa. Give There's him a no. wicked sock to the face.
0: I love that. That's my
1: oh. that's my attempt at a Boston accent. Horrible. But Adam Odovino was up uh, on the hill mm-hmm. and he, you know, he'd already gotten himself in trouble at this point. Yep. You know, I think there was a runner on first and second. There was two outs. Mm-hmm. And Shohei Otani, who's, as of right now, the guy you want batting right now. Either yep. that or David Fletcher, right? Out of everyone who you have on your roster, it's either one of those two guys that you want to hit in that situation. So, Otani comes up and just hits and I, I don't want to say – actually, you know what? It was a pretty good shot, mm-hmm. right? I, I think it had some velo to it.
0: Yeah, it did. It did. It was close to 100.
1: Yeah, he, he hit a ball pretty hard, straight into the ship. The second baseman was in shallow right field. Yeah. And they just perfectly shifted him. But, you know, if we're talking – you know, we're talking like mere inches, this is a tie game. Oh, yeah. Adam Adovino blows the save. That's literally inches. But that's what they say. Baseball's a game of inches, and it wasn't any more obvious that that's the case than on Monday night's game. And uh, I think that's why Angels fans are so angry at the events that unfolded once Adam Odovino got the final out to secure the save for the Red Sox. Now, for those of you guys who are living under a rock and don't know what I'm talking about, as soon as Otani grounded out, uh, Adam Odovino looked straight at Shohei Otani and said, happy birthday, bitch. Yep. Shohei Otani was celebrating his 27th birthday. Now, let me start off by saying that Angels yeah. fans know, and you know what? Baseball fans in general know Shohei tony nicest guy in baseball. Yep, the guy's a giant teddy bear. Yep, everybody loves the guy. Literally, I I know I can't think of anybody who is, isn't even an Angels fan who hates Shohei tony He's just that guy. That's everybody cool. likes him. Everybody cheers for him because it's you know when you see greatness, you appreciate greatness.
0: Yeah,
1: I fucking hate the Dodgers. But I appreciate Clayton Kershaw because he's great. Mm-hmm. You know, there's guys who I look at who are rivals who I appreciate and I tip my cap to because you know what? Those guys are gamers. That's what Shoy Otani is. He is an elite talent in this game. So the fact that Adam Ottavino, a no-name pitcher who people don't know of, I'm not going to say he's horrible. He's an above-average bullpen Great. Yeah. But You mean to tell me that a guy out of Bonavino has the balls and the ability to look at a guy like Shoei Otani in that situation and showboat to the fact that you're going to say happy birthday, bitch? That doesn't fly with me at all.
0: Yeah, I I wonder if that was a catalyst for the way the Angels played the next two days. But I just know that that was probably one of the most uh, pretty demeaning things you could say to a player like – uh Shohei because like you said he's a teddy bear nicest guy in the field everyone has a universal respect for him and you know for the fact that you know like you saw I think it was uh yesterday uh broken bat and he runs over and hands it to the batter himself you know pats him on the side when he gets to a base you know he makes a slide he jokes with players I mean the guy he's, he has no flaws right now and and uh you know <clears throat> it's just a sad thing that a guy would yell that kind of, uh, uh, you know, thing towards Otani, and he's done nothing. He never showed him up in the, in the uh, box. I could see if he showed him up, pointed a bat, did a, you know, even today with bat flip rules, maybe he bat flipped or something, but he doesn't even do that. So why the hell are you going to say, you know, happy birthday, bitch, when you nearly blew the save? Like on the replay, he swings a, a, like a half inch lower. That ball's in the freaking pavilion. You know he swung yeah. over it a little bit and hit a line drive, and that almost got by the second baseman. So, even like, I would maybe kind of be like, okay, I could, I don't like it, the comment, but I could see the emotion if he struck him out in that. But he didn't strike him out, you know. The second yeah. baseman, like you said, made a great play, and so it's like, where did this come from? And then you have the uh, a fan, you know, good for him. Come before pregame. Uh, I think it was today or yesterday, and said, "Hey, man, why did you uh, say that towards Otani?" And he said, "Honestly, man, I just I, I blacked out. I got caught in the moment." No, you did. You knew exactly yep. what you were saying, and that's take, take some accountability. Exactly. Don't don't use the blackout stuff. That is so no. yeah. That, that is so fake. So fake. Yeah. So, what are
1: you, an eighteen year old who just got drunk for the first time in his life? Oh, I'm sorry, bro. I blacked out after <laughs> having
0: like three blood Lights
1: after you know. You know, Three and, Bud uh, Lights from uh, from a game of beer pong.
0: And see, imagine if this is uh you know a, a position player who yelled that to Otani. Oh, you know, I don't even think, bro. I don't even think this is. And I want your opinion on this too. But the next day, Otani pitching, even if he says that and Otani hears it, I don't think Otani goes after him at all. He's not that type of dude. Like maybe a reliever.
1: Yeah, <sighs> oh, yeah. No, Otani doesn't. But you know, a guy who's barely on
0: the roster, like an Aaron Slegger's
1: Yeah. That's the kind of guy you would be like. All right, man, your time to shine.
0: You're gonna it out of this game. And you're gonna go down swinging. Yeah, I might not be on the roster that much, but this is a way for me to make a name with the roster. You know what I mean? Let me peg that guy for 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 talking on her because I know it got back to the players. So oh, yeah, maybe maybe just maybe Otani in English said, "Hey guys, I understand that's a bad word, but I don't want anything to come of this." Maybe he took the high road. And maybe Oh, that- yeah.
1: There's no way he didn't take the higher order. This yeah. is Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani's not going to, A, cost the team a win because he wants to drill somebody for being a jerk. Yep. And, B, you know, like some people say, the best way to retaliate is by winning. You know what? The Angels won the series. Adam Modavino could say all he want, like, hey, I called Shohei Otani a bitch. Well, guess what? You're the bitch now because your team lost. And, you know, I'm not going to blame it on Adam Ottavino, but certainly can't tell me that he helped his team. You certainly can't tell me that he didn't ignite the Angels to want to win the series simply because of what he said.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. So I think I think in the end it worked out. Um, you know, they were able to they were able to get the uh, you know the next game, which is uh, what was it, it was uh, yesterday with Otani on the hill. And uh, thoughts on Otani's performance? Because I got a few of my own, but I want to initially get what you said with his performance.
1: Perfect. Yeah, what an absolute bounce back. I mean, Shohei Otani's is proving what we know. It's just that uh, he's a stud. And it's like, you know, part of me hates bringing up Shohei Otani, A, because, uh, you know, he's just so good that we can sit here literally and talk about it for hours and hours and hours. And still people <laughs> would listen to it because – People are just fascinated by him. Yeah, exactly. And it'd be the Otani show. And you know what? If somebody out there wants to ever make a whole podcast dedicated to Otani, let us know. I'd be the first one to subscribe because I love hearing about Otani. But it's just – it's also hard to not bring it up, man. But, you know, he proved last game against the Yankees that he is a human. Yeah, yeah. He His command was atrocious. I don't want to say the Yankees beat Otani, but I do want to say that Otani beat
0: Otani. Yeah, yeah. I think it was more the humidity and Otani being, o- being Otani. Maybe he got caught up in the moment. You know, like, you know, he's still human. I think that reminded us of that. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, because there's. I thought he was a robot, literally, at this. Like prior to that, like,
1: you know, forget Albert Pujols being called the machine. I don't there's know no who- way he could throw a hundred miles an hour.
0: I don't know who that is. Who's what what's a Pujols? Yeah, never <laughs> heard of a. Who is she? Never heard of a. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I know we're going to disrespect some uh Angel fans of that, but, uh, hey, that's just uh, our point of view. But, look, in this game, uh, I thought the biggest factor for Otani going to seven innings uh, was the fact that he had no walks. You know, he's he's pitched yep. great in in, uh, at, in starts earlier in the year, too, where he would literally allow no runs or maybe one run, but he'd have, like, six walks and six strikeouts, and, you know, he – just rack up pitches, being three ball, two counts, too much. Not even getting hit hard. It's just he's throwing a lot of pitches, and I thought this was his best performance of the year. And um, you know he and that and the, the Red Sox lineup is no slouch, and he mowed him down for the most part. I was very impressed. Uh, with his start and, and going up against Nathan Abaldi, who remember in 2018, we wanted this guy. The Angels were, were you know, Epler was showing his hand like, oh, we're going after Abaldi we're going after Abaldi we're going after Ebaldi. And The famous
1: thing that he did all the time?
0: Yeah, we, we didn't get him. And, uh, you know, at first, Angel fans were like, all right, cool. You know, 2019, he sucked. 2020, or 2019, I think he was hurt. And then last year, you know, he sucked. And people are like, see, he's overrated. But then all of a sudden, now he looks like 2018 Ebaldi. So this matchup was going to be good. And it was. And what are your thoughts on the, on the, on the overall game? I mean, because he did it offensively and defense, or he did it pitching and, and uh, hitting in this game.
1: Yeah, man. Shohei Otani is, once again, just proving that he is the best player in baseball. And some Angels fans get very mad whenever I say that because they're like, oh, we have Mike Trout on our team. And I get it. We do have Mike Trout on our team sometimes. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I, I had to take a dig because he's hurt. <laughs> but, um, yeah, dude, Joey Otani, I, I don't think there's an argument that he is the best player in baseball. Yeah. How can you argue that statement? Mm-hmm. The guy is batting, you know, almost 280 going into you know, tomorrow's game. Uh, he's leading the league in home runs. He's, he's flirting with the triple crown. Yep. Oh, and not to mention that he also made the All-Star game as a pitcher. Oh, and as a hitter. Yeah. It's and like, the home run derby. I mean, so what are we talking about? Are we, We're we talking about a video game, right? This isn't
0: real. This is a real life. <laughs> this You know, that does remind me of when I used to be like, you know what? Let me put Todd on, uh, you know, create myself and put myself on the Angels. And, you know. Uh, let me be fair to myself, and uh, I'll, I'll go about what I think I would be in the majors. 99, 99,
1: 99. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to be humble. I got to be right. humble. You know what? For for eye, for vision, we're going to go 97.
0: Yeah, 97. And you know what? I, I, <laughs> I do make an error every now and then, so 96. You know? So yeah. You guys
1: feel like, like a 99 overall?
0: Yeah, exactly. It does just feel like a video game. That's a great point. Um, but in this game, too, with all that he was doing – I thought one play that was overshadowed except for Angel fans was Lagarus' great catch. I mean, that turned the tide because had that gone for a home run, it's 4-3 Boston. Instead, it stays 3-2, and the Angels immediately add two runs onto it and put the game away.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then uh, what, Rysel Iglesias came in for the save,
0: correct? Yeah, he did. And he's done something that he's done. Yeah, a-
1: man, Rysel Iglesias.
0: What Oh, no, I was just going to say he's done something I've seen him do a couple times this year where it's very Troy Percival-esque, where Percival would do this too, where he would just, uh, you know, it's a three-run lead, and he'd be like, you know what, I'm going to test this heater and see if this dude can hit it. And he'd give a a hitter something to hit, and he gives up a home run. He's like, okay, shake it off and strike him out the next guy. and Because you've seen what he does in one-run games. He doesn't fool around. But it seems like in two or three-run games with nobody on, two outs, He'll serve up a cookie just to see how far he can hit it.
1: Yeah, when you and I did the post game yesterday, I told you that Rysel Iglesias is an elite closer in baseball. Yep. People, some people take him seriously, some people don't. But Rysel Iglesias is the real deal. I've been saying this since the beginning of this season, and I'm going to keep saying it. Rysel Iglesias is the kind of guy that you want to build the back end of your rotation with. Absolutely. So, you know, as long as the Angels keep trending in the right direction, I certainly do not trade him. But if the Angels are in a situation where they need to start selling because things really go awry over the next two weeks after the break. Yeah. Um, you can get a pretty big haul for Ray Sellebases. But personally, even if things go south, I say you have to resign him. This is the kind of guy you want in the back
0: half of the rotation. I agree with you 100%. That's a good take because, I mean, that guy, he, you see how fired up he gets the fans and he gets the team fired up. I mean – with his celebrations and everything, um, you know, he's, I mean, look, at he's got two different de- deliveries for the same pitch. That's insane. <laughs> you know, I mean, that drop down sli- uh, sidearm throw is amazing. So, I mean, when he's on, he's freaking on. Uh, yep. So uh, thoughts real quick too, because uh, he did come into this game today, which is Wednesday's game. But uh, I know you've been critical as far as I have as well with the back end of that bullpen leading up to Iglesias. You know, we, we like Watson. I think we're on yep. the of Watson. But who would you get to replace Myers? Because sometimes Myers scares the living shit out of me when he comes in in the eighth inning.
1: Yeah, I certainly wouldn't keep putting Myers in, in the eighth inning. Uh, I know a lot of
0: Angels fans, especially
1: on your post games, uh, have been clamoring for a guy like uh, Brad Hand. Mm-hmm. So maybe a trade for Brad Hand would be great, putting him eighth. Uh, and then you have either Myers or Watson to bounce off for seventh. That'd be cool. That's going to put you, or even c in the seventh. You know. Come I, he,
0: he's coming around later. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, you know, we can say that about almost every guy in the bullpen. You know, like they start to come around and just when you start to trust them again, and they decide to shit the bed. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It just really depends. But the only consistent has been Rysell Iglesias. In a safe situation, may I add. You know, people keep saying, like, well, he's no good in safe situation. You know, but that's literally Joe. Joe Maddon's only job is to know how to use your players in what situation. Joe, why do you keep putting him in there when you're up by six runs? I don't care if he needs work. Bring somebody else in. Well, I don't want to waste another one of my pitchers. Put in Jared Walsh. He was a two-way player.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: He's got, like, a career, like, two-something ERA. If you don't want to waste any of your pitches, hell, put him in. Why not? You know. And if you need Bryce Glazes to come in for the save because Jared Walsh decided to blow chunks on the field and give up three runs, mm. I feel bad saying "blow chunks on the field." Now, by the way, after Dylan Bundy literally blew chunks on the field,
0: that's that's a term now that has a different meaning all of a sudden,
1: <laughs> dude. If we if we would have hopped on it, we should have like made a, a merchandise shirt of like Dylan Bundy like throwing up, but instead of like the throw up, it was like a bunch of little L's on it.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: it said Bundy blow, Bundy's blow pen
0: there you go that's the epitome of a blowpen. good god <laughs> um, I'm telling you I mean look uh, and speaking of that Walsh fella uh, I mean you know we talked about it uh, Walsh? Dodger fans are like who's Walsh? Yeah, it's guys the, can keep Walsh. We have the goat Pujols. Yeah, we have Pujols in his prime, bro. We have Pujols in his prime. <laughs> I don't know who that Walsh guy is. Jeez.
1: Yeah. Well, let me tell you. If there's any Dodger fans are tuning in, that Walsh guy is a real athlete. You guys should try getting one.
0: You know, he he actually runs. I heard he he you know he could get <laughs> to the bases pretty fast. Um. But, yeah, they won that game, which gets into game three, which is today, which was a day game that I wasn't too – I was hyped up for it, but I wasn't too – like like I was thinking, man, the quicker we get Heaney out of there, the better. Um, he pitched good for a bit, and then he ran into trouble in the fourth and fifth inning and subsequently couldn't finish the sixth. But he did get the victory in this one, uh, you know, improving to five and five. But in this game uh, – that Walsh fella and this other guy named Je- uh, uh, Fletcher, who we didn't mention from the night before. I forgot, now my bad. Stassi and Fletcher, you know, they went a combined, I think it was a seven for eight, something like that, In uh, both missing the cycle with, you know, uh, uh, just missing one of the things for the cycle, both of them, Stassi and Fletcher. And Fletcher's just, his average has come all the way up. Without Upton in there, without Rendon, um, you know, and Trout, obviously, the three main guys have been Otani, Fletcher, and um, and Walsh. Walsh. And today, Walsh had the game winning home run, essentially. He, you know, Otani hit that home run. And I was like, yeah, Otani, hell yeah, you know, this guy, MVP, MVP. And then Walsh was like, damn, you know, I, I need to get some of the shade. He hits a home run back to back. And then later in the game, when Boston's creeping in with a run, boom, he tags another one. Thoughts on Walsh? Because this guy, like you brought up, was a two ERA guy, and they were looking at him more for his arm than his bat. What has changed since the two-way player decided, you know what, I'm all in as a hitter?
1: You know, that's the thing. I don't know what it is. Sometimes the players always have, like, the it factor. they just never been able to put it together, and it just seemed like Jared Walsh finally was able to put it together. I mean, how many times as Angels fans have we – you know, seeing these guys get drafted because, you know, like, oh, they're the most athletic guy in the draft. Yep. And um, it just never panned out. You know, we we can do whole episodes about guys who ended up being busts. Oh. But then you got a guy like Jared Walsh, who was I, what, I like a 30th rounder, something, something even, I think like 34th round. 39th. Even. 39th? 39th?
0: Yes, 30
1: <clears throat> Yeah, there you go. You know, he was near the bottom of the barrel. He was the guy that nobody gave a shit about. Who are we kidding? I mean, when you're at that, stage you're going to get a thousand dollar signing bonus you're quote-unquote lucky to get the opportunity and you're you should be happy to be there and get your 12k a year yeah but jared walsh through all with all the odds stacked against him a guy that none of us angels fans were looking at three or four years ago who are we kidding no. nobody knew who jared walsh was and if you say you did you're lying to yourself <laughs> maybe you saw him playing a game at you know, an in Inland Empire, Mobile Bay, when we were with the Bay Bears, or any of that. Yeah. But nobody thought Jared Walsh would end up being Jared Walsh, the All Star. You can't tell me. You know, maybe he showed some flashes, but I distinctly remember in 2019 when he came up in September, he was getting booed. People were like, "What is this guy doing? This guy is horrible." He was killing it in AAA, and then he came up here, and we just thought, "Here's another 4 fourer." Yeah, yeah. He could join the rest of them. But, no, something clicked last year in 2020. They don't know what it was, but something did.
0: Absolutely right. I mean, look, your analysis is perfect because, uh, again, yeah, I remember being one of those guys thinking he was another Casey Kochman, uh, you know. uh, uh, Caleb Coward. Caleb Coward. There you go. And on and on and on. And uh, I was actually thinking, why are we testing this guy hitting? Shouldn't he just be pitching? You know, we need a left-handed reliever. I heard he's got a good four-seamer or a slider, you know, I thought he's going to be the guy out of the pen. And then, like you said, last September, he went on a tear. He was easily the reason why the Angels got back in the race in the first place. And uh, he had, I think he had nine homers, 35 RBIs. So it's like, uh, I thought, man, this guy's, you know, pretty good. But then I, I was skeptical. I was like, yeah, you know, we got to see if he could do it in the new, new uh, season. So when they were like, oh, yeah, you know, Otani's going to be the DH. Pullhouse is going to uh, platoon with Walsh. I'm like, ah, it makes sense, you know, because, you know, just in case Walsh doesn't come through this year, you got old, reliable uh, Pullhouse in there. And then as soon as the season started, you're like, got to get Pullhouse out of that lineup, man. Walsh is killing it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you, you can't be wasting at bats. And um, since, I mean, you're absolutely correct. This guy is something else. And he's one of those diamond in the roughs, 39th round, humble as shit, got a lot of chemistry with the players on the team. I love the guy, and had we, even with Otani's numbers and the other guys starting to come around, Stassi, Fletcher, you know, Upton when he was coming around and Trout coming back, this team would be nowhere without, you know, uh, Walsh as well. I think they present a very good tag team, and when Trout comes back, I'm very interested to see what that turns the dynamic duel into a trio, and then if Rendon can just stay healthy for more than a week and get his (laughs) bat back before getting re-injured, imagine – that's what, I mean, that's, I think that's what all Angel fans are, are, are thinking about. It's like, damn, the potential of this freaking lineup. And Rally Chris brought up that, uh, and I want to get your thoughts on this, the fact that when the Angels score four or five runs, they're 40 and 14.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, and that's why I think uh, uh, the one thing I'll say is you can never really count the Angels out of a game. Yep. You never know when that offense is going to explode and you never know you know, to what extent they're going to explode. So to see them almost come back Monday when they were seemingly out of it was at least encouraging. Like I say all the time, you can still lose a game, yet you can be the one who took away the momentum. And I think that's what the Angels did on Monday. Thanks to Adam Ottavino. that certainly helped. But, you know, you had them on the ropes, but somehow, you know, the Red Sox were able to pull the heel move. They were able to give the, the Angels the, the hit to the groin. You know, that you see like in wrestling and, you know, all of a sudden everyone boos the heel but he got the win and the heel just kind of like, yeah, you know, embracing it. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what Adam Modavino did. He turned into the heel, you know, for baseball. Not even for Angels fans. There was a lot of people who were like, what are you doing? Who are you, bro? Your mom doesn't even know who you are. So, you know, to have this no-name over here, you know, calling Otani a bitch, really just turned everything on his heel and, you know, All this stuff combined, maybe that's the reason why. Maybe Walsh was, you know, lit for his boy. Maybe he was like, you know what, I'm going to step up for Otani because Otani stepped up for us all year. But, you know, Walsh, believe it or not, has been overlooked by many in
0: baseball. Especially East Coast media.
1: You know what? I hate the East Coast bias controversy or the East Coast bias, you know, saying or – Whatever it's just, every all the best players in baseball are on the west coast now it seems the east accurate. coast is for a bunch, yeah, exactly. I mean, what we arguably have most of baseball's top 10 players,
0: they have a bunch of guys that strike out a lot, being Stanton and uh, what's it, uh, G uh, what is it, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge? There you go, and I think on the east coast, Acuna is probably the best hitter. But on the West Coast, like you said, you got Betts, you got Trout, you got Otani, you got Tatis. That's just to name a few. Manny Machado. Manny Machado, yeah. So you, you got a ton of good hitters. Now you add Walsh to that. Um, so And I brought it up in another show where, you know, uh, they were talking about the Angels playing the Yankees, and they were like, yeah, there's some guy Walsh he's putting pushing for the All-Star. And it's like, some guy? Really? So you don't know your homework on a guy who's hitting better than most of your guys on the Yankees? So, you know, that's, that's what they do, dude. They don't focus on the West Coast because either – and there's that excuse of, oh, we go to sleep, you know, like, you know early. The, your games are on when we're asleep. It's like, no, you guys stay up late for your team too. There's this thing called the internet, and if you really did your homework, you can always catch up on highlights and see who's doing what. And then Walsh's name would be showing up left and right, and you'd be like, oh, that's Walsh. Oh, okay, yeah, he looks pretty good. Because you're obviously staying up to see Tatis. You know who Tatis is. You should yeah. know who Walsh is.
1: You know who Trout is. You know who Otani is. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people play fantasy nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you just out of curiosity, let me go in my league real quick and see how owned Jared Walsh is. I had Jared Walsh on my fantasy team, and I didn't originally draft him because I didn't think he was going to end up being as good as he ended up being. Yeah. Jared Walsh is owned by 98.7% of <laughs> leagues. So people know who Jared Walsh is. He has 213 fantasy points today in my league.
0: Wow, that's crazy. So
1: people know who, should know who Jared Walsh is. That's a very recognizable number. I mean, you know, if you're flirting with 213 points. You're, you're flirting with, you know, 250 at this point.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: You know, because it's not unrealistic to think that he'll get about 15 more points with the next three games going into the All-Star break. So there you go. At that point, you are flirting with 250 before the All-Star break. That's crazy. Jared Walsh is very, very underappreciated in the game of baseball, as is a guy like David Fletcher. You know, people know David Fletcher because he's kind of turned into a meme amongst baseball players or amongst baseball fans. Sorry. But, yeah, Jared Walsh needs to get some recognition. And, I mean, West Coast baseball in general, we're tired of the East Coast bias. Go get some Dunkin' with your car, <laughs> with your, sh- your schmack pack in your car.
0: And watch Ben Affleck movies because he always seems to have the setback of his movies in uh, what do you call it Boston anyway. You know, there's always some sort of heist in Boston. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't have a I love Boston or a Red Sox bumper sticker on the Batmobile. You know, I mean, he always, <laughs> you know, always puts Boston in his stuff. Um, we're going to get to Fletcher in a second, too. But I wanted to p- point that one more thing out about Walsh before I end on the game, too. Um, yeah. You know, there's plenty of these guys that are power hitters, quote, unquote, or faces of the game and that can't play the field. You know, that either are DHs or their first baseman and their average first baseman at that. You know, Tatis being one of these guys where you highlight real all the time. Yeah, (laughs) Pujols, another guy. But Walsh, for being a pitcher again and not really having much experience at first base, learning on the fly, he's a hell of a first baseman. His stretches, the the way he uh, holds runners on, the way that he gets those ground balls, saving them from going down the line, uh, he's made more plays. And I mean, he's saved more runs than anything. I, I think he's a very underrated first baseman. What are your thoughts?
1: I can definitely see an avenue where he wins a gold glove or is at least a contention to win a gold glove over the next couple of years. I don't think he's going to do it this year because this is his first real full year. Yeah. But, you know, to say he's not, he hasn't been impressive is a lie. So, you know, assuming he rides it out with the Angels uh, through, you know, his contract renewals and arbitration, I can certainly see him getting a gold glove within the next, you know, five years, I'll say. I'm taking the under for sure.
0: Okay, that sounds about, about right to me. A couple more things before we end on this series with Boston and give it our final takes and we move to Seattle. Um, you basically today saw the, you know, we've been able to get away with it at times filling in guys in positions that they're not used to to get through the games. But today, it nearly cost the Angels on two opportunities. Kudos for Myers as much as we rip him. He pitched out of a jam because that run was given up. Uh, I think it was uh, also Heaney would, probably wouldn't have gave up another run earlier in the game. Had Gosselin fielded the ball right. I mean, he got turned around all over the place, misplayed a fly ball that should have been caught at the track. Same thing happened with Renifo late in the eighth inning. That happens when you have two either utility guys or infielders playing in the outfield. That just shows you the importance of having a guy like Taylor Ward or uh, ready or being able to play, or a guy like Justin Upton, Dexter Fowler, you know, guys that should be in the outfield but aren't because of injuries. Um, if this were to continue and Upton's out longer or something like that, and I know we're focusing on pitching, but would you be inclined to go out to get another outfielder just to help? them? Yeah.
1: I'm certainly sure not opposed to getting a stopgap outfielder. I, honestly, if I would have known that the Upton injury was going to take this long, I would have recommended. Uh, it, you know, it's not even the Upton injury; it's like all the other injuries that have happened to the outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have recommended going out there and just getting a stopgap guy. You know, we're talking a guy like a Cameron Maven. Maybe not a guy who's going to blow it. You know, blow you away and is going to. You yeah. know, all of a sudden you're in contention because of him. <laughs> but you know, you could have gotten an Eric Young esque, Eric Young Jr type of guy. Some guy like that who's going to give you competitive at-bats, who's going to give you good defense, who's going to give you speed, um, and he's just going to play smart defense. That's all we need. Literally, as long as I can get a guy who plays smart defense, we're good. Go out there and trade for a Billy Hamilton. He's not going to cost you anything. You know, you need this insurance. You've learned that depth is crucial. And the fact that the Angels have even been this competitive with the depth they've had is Crazy. I remember when you, in, in a past life, when you were on another show that we don't talk about anymore because they provide bad content. Ooh, <laughs> blowing, throwing shade. That's fired. Yeah. <laughs> Gratata. Like, um. Anyway. So yeah, when you were on another show, hmm. you had mentioned in the past that kind uh, of lost my train of thought.
0: Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> about players, uh, on the team or whatever, or the, uh, the importance of depth. Maybe is that. Yes.
1: Yes. I uh, thank you. Thank you. I, that was embarrassing. I, I've never just lost my train of thought like that.
0: that? But
1: uh, I had mentioned that this was the most depth we've seen on this, you know, uh, on this Angel squad in a long time. Because we were throwing shade at the fact that the Angels had no depth. But on the other hand, this is the most depth that we've seen. At that point, I think the month of April had just closed and we were relatively healthy.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So, you know, we had, you know, the guys in the minors. So we still had Ren Ipo down in the minors. We still had Taylor Ward down in the minors. You know, tomorrow was asking, like, when are we going to bring up Taylor Ward? It's, it's just a distant memory at this point. It is. And now we're at the point where we're bringing up guys who have never played the outfield. Ren never played the outfield. Mm-hmm. Wong barely had any outfield experience. I think he'd only play, like, two games or thing in the outfield or two innings. It wasn't much either way. You know, we're pulling up these guys and we're like, all right, you're in. And we've gotten lucky up to this point. It really hasn't cost us too many games, a couple of runs. Sure. But like you said, Myers actually did a good job of pitching. I don't even want to say himself out of a jam because it wasn't his fault.
0: Actually. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely correct. And, and they have gotten away with it. Like, they brought up Mayfield. He's another infielder. Um, I forget the guy. Who, uh, what was his name? Um, he played with St. Louis. He was in uh, with uh, Shevner or whatever, because I think they released him again. Scott right? Shevler. Yeah, it was Scott Shevler. And I forget the guy they picked up before. He he played. They wound up DFAing him, too. So those were two outfielders that had no options. So when you had to send them down, they were pretty much released. And it was their choice to come back. I don't know if Shevler is going to come back this time. He came back the last time. But my point being is, yeah, you're skinny as hell. I mean, if there's a little minor trades for the deadline just to get some depth for the AAA ball club and for the ball club in general, I think it would be for a, an outfielder utility type dude that can play that we can trust to come in there as a defensive replacement. Because right now, if you say, oh, hey, we're going to bring a guy in for a defensive replacement, you're like, why? Because it's not really upgrading yeah. the position. Um, so as I finish up on that, the Angels held on to win 5-4 and Glacius blows through the ninth. Another important thing that was taken care of and another thing I want to talk about is David Fletcher. And you brought him up. He's, a lot of fans are saying he's X nine 2.0. Um, he didn't start the year, you know, we were kind of like, uh, we were kind of dumbfounded the way he started the season. You know, he was batting so low, swinging at everything, not being patient. He still hasn't gotten his walk groove in, but what he's doing is he's providing pressure, uh, uh, swinging a lot of, uh, or staying in counts, Uh, making him full counts a lot. He's getting hits, and he's getting on for a guy named Otani, who is either driving him in or (laughs) first to third. And that's what we've been trying to say all year is, like, dude, just get someone on in, in front of these guys. And it was such a struggle until Upton grabbed the reins before he got hurt. But thoughts on Fletcher. What, to you, has changed from for him to be batting 220 at one point or lower to now two or three points away from 300? You know, what I like about David Fletcher
1: is that David Fletcher is always unapologetically David Fletcher. You know, he doesn't seem to change his game a lot. Okay. And sometimes in baseball, that's the most important thing. You have to be willing to stay true to your game and not try to change who you are as a hitter and as a player. And David Fletcher has always been really good about only being David Fletcher. He doesn't try to do too much with the ball. He makes contact and he lets the ball do the work. He, you know, those pitches where you're like, yeah, there's no way. He finds a way to poke it through the gap. He finds the hole. You know, he he runs out balls. He run. you know, if the ball's hit to the shortstop, the guy's going to run his ass off to try to get a first base and beat it out. You know, David Fletcher is a gamer. Baseball doesn't have a lot of gamers anymore. That breed of player is dead. So to see David Fletcher continuing to be David Fletcher, it's exactly what we need and it's a breath of fresh air because – You know, those are the kind of guys who are going to make the difference come October. And I can tell you what, you know, I understand how good Mike Trout is. I understand how good Shohei Ohtani is. But if we're trying to lead, let's just say we're down by two runs and we're trying to start off an inning, I want David Fletcher to lead off our inning every single time, over Trout and over Ohtani. I would rather have Ohtani and Trout to clean up the bases if a guy like Fletcher is on. But a lead off, I always want a guy like David Fletcher. And you know what? If we're in a situation where it's the bottom of the ninth, two outs, we're down by a run, we got bases loaded, you know, and David Fletcher's up, I'm not worried.
0: Do you're, David you're,
1: Fletcher's going to get that hit. David Fletcher's going to find a way to at least have a productive at-bat.
0: Yeah, you're welcoming that. That's for sure. Um, he's he's played so good in the last few games Um I, I just don't know what to say. Like he's he's putting the ball where it's not, and it's refreshing to see. I think the other guys build off of it, and it's something that you know the more and more pressure that we're seeing from the from uh, on the base pads, the better. It's just going to make everything much much more smoother, and this team's going to score a lot more runs. So, kudos to Fletcher. So, final thoughts on that series with the Mariners, if you got them, or not Mariners. I'm sorry, Um Red Sox. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat>
1: The Sox. Um, I, I don't think I have too many uh, closing thoughts. I think we've covered a lot of it. The Angels are playing some good ball right now. Now, with that being said, you always ask me questions, but I have a question for you. Let's hear it. So where we are right now, you know, the Angels are what, two games over 500? Yeah, they're
0: 44 and 42.
1: Okay. So how and why are the Angels competitive here and now? Give it everything that's happened this year. As we sit tonight recording this episode for tomorrow, which is going to be an off day, our last off day before the All-Star break, mm-hmm. why and how are the Angels still in a situation where playoffs aren't out of the question, you know,
0: given the injuries? Um, I don't – I think there's two reasons. I think certain guys are just starting to finally hit their groove in the lineup, but it has to really do with a blow not living up to its name. Um, they've, they've not gotten into those buttercup situations to where I, w- I was playing them two times a week at least, that buttercup song yeah. post game.
1: You we, started having to find different uh, incarnations of the song.
0: Yeah, I was doing rap versions, country versions. Uh, there was a metal version. Uh, it was getting frustrating. And um, they really haven't buttercuped it, butter it up. Or if they have, the team has responded and scored some runs to tie it up and make it a game or, you know, get the, the comeback. So I guess my my answer would be just I think more than anything the pitching has settled down on both the bullpen and the starting rotation. The starters are giving you longer innings. Uh, that, you know, I obviously you know uh, in game one it, that wasn't the case, but that's that kind of start that Suarez had was happening consistently. Whereas now maybe you're yep. getting three to four games out of the week where you're getting you know guys going five six, and that's a huge relief to a bullpen that is stretched really thin and not built to pitch multiple innings or pitch the bulk of the game. And I think when that happens and you have guys on the mound, it settles down the hitters to where, okay, we can have an off inning, but then the next inning, let's rev it up and let's put some pressure, let's score some runs. I think that has really helped the Angels uh, here in this little stretch because obviously if things were continuing the way they were doing in early June, this team would nowhere be close uh, to the wild card.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, now, as I agree with everything you said. But personally, I think one of the biggest things and one of the biggest differences between now and, you know, before this team went on the run, I mean, what was it, May, where they were just doing horribly?
0: Yeah, it, it, May was it, May and early June was terrible.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest reason the Angels are doing so well right now as a cohesive unit is because everyone is showing up to the ballpark right now excited to show up to the ballpark. Mm. As cliche as that sounds, there's a big difference between a team who wants to be there and a team that has to be there because they're just there to collect the paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, this team isn't like the Padres. They don't have the gold chains and they're not, you know, they're not flashy, flashy, bling bling handshakes. But you know what? You can tell that this team is having fun. You can tell that there is a fight at the bat rack because they want to go up there. You can tell that every at-bat they're going up there to have a good at bat. That doesn't mean swinging for, you know, to hit it over the rock fountains. Yeah, yeah. That means going up there to have a good at bat. That means David Fletcher going up there to extend that hit streak because he knows that he's got two or three guys behind him who are just salivating at the opportunity to hit a home run, hit a gapper, drive in some runs. That's what Fletcher said today after the postgame with Trent interviewed him. He said that he knows that he's got guys behind him who can drive him in. It's guys knowing their roles on the team. It's Taylor Ward knowing, you know what, man? I was drafted in 2015. I'm never going to be a star, but I'll tell you what I am going to be. I'm, I'm going to be the best damn bench guy that I can. It's guys like Jose Rojas he's telling himself, I'm going to step up for this team because I belong here in the show. It's guys like Otani saying, I'm the best damn player in the world. I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. It's guys like that knowing what their role is and understanding what their role is because when you got a team of 26 guys who understand what their role is this baseball is a beautiful thing absolutely.
0: any team sport absolutely I totally agree with that I mean <clears throat> and good thoughts on that because uh, a guy like Fletcher who I think was I think was a godsend them putting him at nine because I think that made him appreciate you know if he was overlooking the fact that he was his guaranteed leadoff guy that hey nothing's guaranteed. And you, and even though you got a contract, you're batting ninth, and he's turned it around. It seems like since his demotion and the subsequent injury to Upton, he's like, okay, I'm not screwing this up, and he's doing yep. what you said, and he's playing great, and it's li- it's lighting a fire through the rest of the lineup, and the rest of the lineup's looking good, and I'm still waiting to see. And you've said it too, when Trout comes back, Rendon comes back, Upton comes back, and these guys can actually stay healthy and start doing some damage. I mean, look at the back end of this lineup is already doing damage. With the guys you named, Iglesias is hitting a lot better. Um, you know, Ward is getting on base and looking a lot better. Not not his outfield sp- stuff, but his, his, his hitting is better. You got Stassi who's hitting better. I mean, th- and Lagarus is starting to get going. I mean, those guys are only going to see better pitches because people are going to be scared of the lineup flipping over again. So, um, So I think that's why we're really excited right now. And, uh, you know, we hope that this trend can continue. I mean, obviously, things can change. We've seen it. But um, that's why the Seattle series is so freaking key right now. It's Yep. If
1: we can win two out of three,
0: um, then, honestly, I don't think we're
1: going to have the all-star break hangover that we normally have. And here's why. Mm -hmm. Normally, you just got one guy, and it's Mike Trout going up there, and he does a thing, and everyone's like, oh, cool. But this year, you're going to have a guy – that people are going to, like, identify with. The players are going to be like, you know what, Sheffield Otani, That's our guy. Jared Walsh? That's our guy. Yep. You know, not to say that Mike Trout isn't their guy. But, you know, now they have two new guys who are exciting because they've never been all-stars before. You know, I'm sure at this point, Mike Trout kind of takes it for granted. Not to the point where, you know, he's a jerk about it. But to the point where, you know, you know, we, we take it for granted. We know Mike Trout's going to be an all-star every year. He didn't even play this year, really, and he's an all-star. So, you know, I think the players are going to be able to identify with the fact that, you know what, we're excited for these guys. We're going to ride the coattails of these guys. And when they come back uh, on that Friday, uh, they're going to hit the ground running, and it's going to be right back to it. And, you know, dare I say that uh, hopefully this is like 2014 and 2002. Right when July started, the team got hot. July started, our team's hot. If we can keep it going to the end of July, all of a sudden, in August, September, we're playing competitive baseball. And as long as you're doing that, you have a chance of getting in the dance. And once you get in the dance,
0: who knows what can happen? This is baseball. I agree, bro. Good points because, again, I mean, this, this is starting to mirror that season a little bit. People are starting to say that. And, and you remember that season, too, Oakland was running away with it. And it was never about the division that year. It was about, hey, let's let's make it to the postseason. And you're absolutely correct. Um, so let's, let's dive into the Seattle series. Because one thing that's weird about this scheduling, um, not only some of the other games that were early on the season. And by the way, a stat was brought up in today's game before I get into the Mariners thing. Out of the five teams with the toughest schedule, you know, because the Angels had the toughest first half schedule. Uh, you know, one of five teams that have the toughest schedules in the first half of the season in Major League Baseball. The Angels are the only team over five hundred. The other four are under five hundred. So I should tell you something. Even with all the crap that they've gone through, but you with- know,
1: for those of you guys who heard our rocks in the outfield interview, uh, there was one thing uh, that they said, and uh, I forgot which who it was who said that the Angels are basically playing playoff games already. Because of the teams they're facing. Yes. And like you said, the schedule has been very, very hard up to this point. We we don't really catch any breaks. Sure, you get like a three-game series versus the Orioles. But then you got to face the Red Sox. Yeah. And then before the Orioles, you had the
0: Giants, right? Yeah, you yeah, had the Giants. You've already played them in two series. Um, I can only, you know, I could just think of the Diamondbacks, Royals, and the Orioles so far. And maybe that you could lump the Tigers in there. But other than that, you've played a pretty damn tough schedule this entire time. And this what's weird here is the Mariners aren't the pushover. I, I was wrong so far. I thought they would have been faded already. I thought I that, everybody did. Yeah, I thought next year would be the year that the Mariners kind of push and do this. So with them being so young, it's weird. At the end of the all, or first half of the season, we're finishing out with three games versus Seattle on the road. And then we immediately start the second half with three games with Seattle. But at home, usually they switch up teams. You don't play the same team back to no. back. But we're playing the Mariners for the next six games, and guess what? The Mariners are right in in front of us, and also in the hunt for the wild card. So these two series are pretty damn big. And uh, the first one gets underway. I think this guy is probably the perfect guy to go to try to get that first W for the Angels, and that's Alex Cobb. He'll be six and three with a four six ERA, uh, four six OERA versus Marco Gonzalez, one and five with a five eight two ERA. Thoughts on that opening you know, game on Friday?
1: Uh, Alex Cobb looked pretty decent in his last start. And the one thing I do like about Alex Cobb is he's another one of those guys who isn't going to be a complete pushover. He's going to make you earn it, Mm -hmm. and uh, he's at least always going to go out there with the edge thinking that he's the best pitcher on the hill that day. You know, he were a lot of people compare him to Jared Weaver simply because of his mentality, maybe not because of his skill set, but, you know, you know he's always going to go up there and he's not going to be a pushover. So, hopefully, Alex Cobb, uh, he knows what's at stake right now. He knows that these games matter because of the fact that, you know, we're, you know, five to six games out of the wild card. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on how we look at that point after, you know, the, the our off day, some teams are going to play. So, we'll see where we are. But, you know, we'll be about five or six games out of the wild card. So, you know, these guys know. These games are important.
0: Oh, yeah. And this is a huge game. Because you want to set the tone early in this series, I think. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and Seattle is a, is a place where you wish you had uh what's what's his name um, you wish you had a, uh, you know Trout because Trout seems to love it up there in Seattle. He he's I think he's hit the most home runs up it up there in Safeco or whatever they call it, T-Mobile or whatever. T-Mobile Park, it, yeah. There you go. Um, And then game two is a big one, too. That's a seven o'clock start. It's uh, Patrick Sandoval, who, again, had an up and down start, but still got, you know, pitched decent enough to win, uh, but did not get the W in his last start versus Flexen, who got annihilated the other night by the uh, Yankees. So we'll see Flexen and Sandoval in that game. Uh, I've seen a little bit of Flexen. He did pitch good against us one time this year, got a victory. Uh, I think Sandoval rocks him in this game. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I absolutely agree. I, I, as of right now, I can't see Patrick Handball throwing a bad game. Yeah. The guys just been on absolute fire all year. So I would predict he's going to give us about six or seven innings. He's going to go all in because, you know, it's the all-star break. So, you know, maybe Joe Maddon is going to give some of these guys a longer leash if he sees fit. But, um, yeah, I could see a situation where if he gives up less than three runs, he gives us about seven.
0: Yeah, it's funny you brought that up, too, because I actually – I was making that a bullet point. Have you noticed lately that he's let guys go where he was pulling them earlier in the year at, like, 80, 85? A guy like Heaney pitched 106 pitches today. I think Sandoval had over 100. Um, Otani was closing in on 100. Uh, he's starting to let these guys pitch a little deeper. And, and I think that's a good thing because I think that's, a w- in a way, you're, you're, you're trusting your starters. You know what I mean? You're giving them that opportunity to get that W or to get another strikeout or to wiggle out of a, a tough jam. So I, I think that's all good. You know what I mean? Like, I think it hurts the team morale-wise early in the season. But I think right now, I think that's a good thing. Your thoughts on that?
1: Maybe it's because he knows that we've sold, like, a double-digit amount of blow pen shirts. <laughs> he's like, "Whoa, these are actually selling? Uh, well, maybe the bullpen really is bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, maybe he, that's what happened. If he's that in tune, I'm like, yeah, that guy knows everything. If
1: he's wearing a What's that? Yo, Joe, if you want to – I said I'll buy him a blow pen shirt. Yo, Joe, let us know. Sneak into the DM. Let us know. If you
0: want a blow pen shirt, I'll keep it. And you know what? Maybe we'll change the status of the uh, – you know, we will just put a don't be a blow pen or don't be a buttercup. You know, maybe he'll wear it that way. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> then- no, uh, he's done a lot better. He's. Sometimes you got to trust your brain more than you got to trust the analytics. You know, the one thing with baseball is analytics are great. But they should never be the end-all be-all. Mm-hmm. You know, use it as a tool. But sometimes, man, if your gut's telling you, you, I should really let him go one more inning, or I should let him go one more batter, let him go one more batter. Sometimes I'd rather have my hot hand give up that run, that you know, run or home run, because at least at the current moment, that's my hot hand.
0: Yeah, you got to play it. You went down with your hottest, uh, or you know, your your biggest, your best option at that point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why I couldn't say. It. Uh <laughs> no, you're good. It's late. It's late. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Uh July 11th, though, is the finale of the first half of the season. It's a one o'clock start, getaway day. <clears throat> it's actually Suarez to be versus to be announced. So Mariners don't have a pitcher at this point. How big of a start is this for Suarez? I know like you can't blame him too much for that game in Boston. We know what he has, and you brought that up earlier. Um getting a road victory here, how big is, would that be to close out the year? It's gonna be
1: huge. It's gonna be huge. And you know what? The more and more I think about it, if I, I feel a lot more confident about Suarez that, that particular game than I do about Alex Cobb tomorrow. I, I think we're gonna win two out of three. Okay. But and if I had to pick, if I like you know, had if I was a betting man, I had to put money on it, I would put my money on Sandoval and Suarez to get the winning them. the two games over Alex Cobb. But, um, you know, I'd like to be sitting here having a conversation on Monday or whenever we record next about us sweeping the series. But uh, Suarez has to respond. I don't want to say you did bad the last game. That's what we both agreed on. It was an average start. But we don't need average. Yeah, We need Jose Suarez to be the Jose Suarez we've seen out of the bullpen. Because if not, I can't imagine getting much more than two or three more starts before they're like, you know what, we should probably put you back in the bullpen. We're paying a lot more for Bundy and or Jose Quintana anyway.
0: Yeah, because it takes a lot for a team, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up, before, for a team to eat crow on themselves and say, okay, you know what, we did pay this guy a lot of money, but you know, you can't deny the dude that's doing the job and you got to go, like you said, with a hot hand, and they did they – did. And, again, it, it sort of backfired, but not too bad because, like you said, he didn't give up, like, ten runs or nothing. He only gave up yeah. three before he exited. So um, we'll see what happens against Seattle. I am looking for bigger and better things in this series. And I could see a sweep, but two out of three seems very good for me. i okay. like that as well. Um, I to say, are you predicting a sweep? But no, then you said two out of three. So, yeah. I'm, so I'm, two I'm, out of three is your official. Yeah, my official. I'm going two out of three with this one. But I could see a sweep. I, I really okay. could. Um, I do – and that's not disrespecting Seattle. I think Seattle has a good ball club. I think they're, they're primed for a good future. But I just believe right now, if you had to poll me on it, I think the Angels really want this series more than the Mariners do. I agree. I agree. The Angels just look hungry right now. They do. They do. Oh. And I
1: think the young guys right now are trying to prove that they could do it without guys like
0: Trout, Upton, or Rento. Yeah, it's a feather in their cap, right? When they're out there with a with yep. half their lineup supposedly of of, of uh, high priced guys not getting it done, I mean, it makes these wins a lot more sweeter and a lot more enjoyable. Yep. So, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. I think uh, the second half, man, maybe we'll do a preview show of the second half, and we'll you know in the next one, and we'll just you know bite into what the. Uh, what, what what's going on, what could be the uh, trends and whatnot, and, and the players to look out for, and and uh, we'll get in depth, because uh, you've got some pretty good nuggets when it comes to stuff like that, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm in. You got anything else left for uh, the show for today?
1: Uh, maybe we can talk about a couple of
0: the exciting
1: things we have coming up. I mean, there's a lot of shows where are like, oh, tune in next week while we sit here and pick our asses and talk about boring shit. But you know, to say that we're out here making. Oh, I'm sorry, I just oh. had a cough. I had a cough. Oh. oh, it's 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 the COVID. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, we're we're out here actually making moves. We have some interviews coming up. I think by the time that this comes out, we would have already done our most our most recent interview. Yes. So um, so look out for that. Right. Um,
0: you want to talk about the trade deadline show
1: the trade deadline show Chase and Andrew um, I think that that's also going to be released uh, on their newest episode which should be also on Thursday so tomorrow yeah, tomorrow or today it'll be released on Thursday so Something. you guys are probably listening to this today it'll, it'll come up soon Andrew and Chase are going to come on they're going to talk about what we're going to be doing for the two hour at least that's what it's projected so far it could be more Uh, extravaganza for the trade deadline it'll be on the 31st I believe it'll be from 11 pst to 1 p.m pst which is when the trade deadline is stay tuned for that we have a couple of interviews that are projected to take place that week Um, we also have a trade deadline or sorry a a draft show coming up Uh, that's kind of more of a treat it'll just be a random episode we're throwing out there a lot of guys have been asking Todd, or guys and gals have been asking Todd some uh, draft questions, and uh, that's not exactly Todd's expertise, and that's okay. So we're bringing Taylor Blake Warden, who is the former host of blocked On Angels, whose expertise is the draft, to talk the 2021 draft, maybe give some insight on who he believes the Angels are going to draft. So make sure to stay tuned for that. A lot of exciting stuff on the horizon, trust me. And we have a former angel who was on the uh, most recent playoff team who is also expected to come on our show. All this stuff's supposed to be happening when the, within the next month. So huge things on the horizon. I'm not just blowing smoke. Great things. We're really excited about it. Trust me, everyone on the network is constantly pepping each other up about how excited we are for this stuff.
0: You know what's funny is like <laughs> usually – things start out slow and you kind of work your way up before you start calling yourself a network, but we can't help but not do that. And yes, we haven't hit the numbers that would officiate a a network label, but the fact is we are running a label. This is turning into a label quicker than we could shake a stick because, you know, we're doing things consistently. We're doing shows consistently, uh, pre-games, post-games, the round the league show. And there's another show that, you know, we're trying to get going, uh, me and, uh, Fernando for dugout talk when he's ready and you're going to meet him. And, and, you know, we do our own show like twice a week and do other stuff during the week. So there's always content, whether it's on, on any of your, uh, podcast platforms or YouTube, or even on the page itself. If you want to check out Twitter, if you want to check out Facebook, if you want to check out the main page, which is Instagram. So there's always something going on. It is like a network. We've got highlights 24-7. We've got like all, you know, funny memes. We've got lineup things, breaking news. Uh, it's all things Angels baseball sprinkled in with a little bit of Major League baseball. And it works out. So, I mean, if, if you're looking for a page, you're an Angel fan, why would you not be on Halos in the infield? And, and why would you not be checking out these shows? It's, you know, if I wasn't doing the show and I'm just looking for good content, I'd be here checking out this page. We've got giveaways, we've got all kinds of things, you know, Fernando's pulling all these interviews, he's working hard behind the scenes, Red Bubble and everything else like that. You've got Randy working on the designs, you've got Rally Chris promoting. So it's a team effort and I can't tell you how much I love the fact that everyone's working together, no one's putting their name above anyone else's. This is all our page and it's your page. It's your, you know, your podcast. And we love the input. And I got to give a special shout out real quick, Fernando, to all our female listeners and all our female contributors because they know their baseball and it is refreshing. So it's not one of these male chauvinist things where like, oh, you can't you can't talk about that. What do you know about baseball? No, a lot of these women have either played baseball, know baseball, grew up around baseball, played softball, and their opinions are just as valuable as ours. We love them and we love them to continue to keep uh, uh promoting, not promoting the show, uh, putting into the show because their content is just as valuable as all of ours.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There is a special place in baseball for women. Uh, We're in a different era, and it's time for people to start having, to get rid of these barbaric ideas that baseball is a man's sport. It's always been a man's sport. It's a gentleman's game. You know, we're transitioning. I mean, the Marlins have a female general manager. There's plenty of female coaches. So I am, you know, I, I completely agree with you you know, uh, women have the right to have, you know, have the right and are just as knowledgeable as men, if not more knowledgeable than men. And it's time to normalize that. So, yeah, I I know you have a lot of uh, females who comment on our shows or, you know, uh, actually, I was pretty disappointed when I went on our YouTube numbers to see that our female numbers were so low. You know, we try to make a very fair uh, show for, for both genders or, you know, for any gender that somebody identifies that. That's not, you know, We don't try to be partial to men, female, or whoever, whomever else.
0: So just just go to an angel game and and check out the demographics. There is a hell of a lot of female fans there, and they're not just there to to be on (sighs) selfies like back in the day or just there to be there with their boyfriends or whatever. Or it was a status quo yep. type thing. These women know their baseball. And like I said before, it is refreshing to hear them say, you know, before I could even yell and be like, oh, come on, c They're behind me saying, come on, c get them out of the game. You know, <laughs> that's Absolutely. awesome. That is freaking awesome.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I'm sure Todd will will agree with me immediately after I say it. You know, if you're a woman and you feel like you're underrepresented and you ever want to come on the show and talk baseball with us, send us a a direct message and we'd love to be able to have a lot more women come on once in a while and just, you know, talk with us. You know, I'm, man, woman doesn't matter. You know, if you know baseball, Todd and I would
0: love to talk to you. And that's, that's how I really got to meet Fernando, which was a godsend. We did that freaking, uh, you know, we, we were talking a little bit before, but then we did the, uh, what is it, the Around the um, – round table. round table show, and that was with a female uh, fan too, Tabora, and it, and it worked out. You know, we got to know two good people that know sports, and then Fernando was just like, he clicked right away. So, you know, that's – this is how it happens here. You can get on here and, and you know, our, this is your platform too. That's the, that's the beauty of it. So that's all I got. Absolutely. No, no, yeah, no, I agree. So um literally th- we're what we're doing
1: right now is absolutely nothing without you guys, and we're gonna keep on saying it. You guys are gonna get annoyed, you guys are rolling your eyes like oh, here we go again. But it's no, truly, thank you guys so much for everything you guys have done. We're about to hit a thousand followers on uh Instagram. Uh you know, we're we're steadily growing on Twitter, you name it. YouTube, we have several videos, over a thousand views. So, you know, keep it up guys. This is truly for you guys. If you guys ever want to see any content, reach out. We're always willing to change our content, adapt our content or create new content in favor of what you guys want to see. Nobody here is closed minded. So everything's
0: always on the table. Absolutely. It's a team game and it always has been over here. And it's weird, but you know, it says, you know, in in the logo established 2021, it feels like we've been around a while, but it's just the fact that we're able to work so good together. The chemistry is good behind the scenes. And uh, the fact that also, you know, we, we barely built this thing six weeks ago or less. And like you said, those numbers that he's pulling up, it usually takes a lot longer to get to those. And I think that's only for the fact that everyone's working together and, and has the same goals. And And like you said, there's nothing, no one's getting their ideas crapped on because – we're not just throwing stuff up against the wall to see if it sticks it's really good ideas and then also people like will feed off of it so if chase comes up with something i'm like oh that's right we should do this then add this and then it just comes together so and fernando's done that several times so uh, we're in a good spot what do i always say todd what do i always say
1: i I don't know if you remember but like what's the quote i always say i think
0: it's why can't it be us or why can't yeah
1: I always say someone's got to be the best. Why not us? And I don't mean like us as in you and I and the rest of the team. I mean like all of us, like the listeners and and everybody. So, yeah, just keep on tuning in. We'll keep on providing the content. I'm telling you guys, we have so many interviews on the horizon. Todd joked one time off air that we're going to start having an interview of the month with like somebody famous in Angels baseball or an old MLB player. And, it, you know, we were laughing about this like two weeks ago, but we have so many interviews lined up that I don't even know if we can, you know, we might be stockpiled for a couple months. I, that's not even a joke. That's not even me trying to like overhype it. We're, we're going to be pretty good for a little while. So I promise you guys, look out, share it because uh, we got some cool stuff.
0: It might be two times a month. Forget the one time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we, we still might be overflowing a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that's that's going to do
0: it out of me. All right. Well, then for uh, Todd Fox and my guest host, which is used to be a guest host, who is now the permanent host.
1: Uh, Fernando, thank you, guys. You guys have a great night, and we'll talk soon.
0: Exactly. You got it.